From COK Studios in Scott Simon Sauna, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Cordon Nutbrock. On today's show, we'll consider Bernie Sanders' endorsement of Hillary Clinton for president. We'll also consider what books you'll want to be reading this summer with our book expert, Lynn Ruffle. And we'll consider why nobody hits me up on Friendster anymore. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from Pokemon Go, the mobile game that's hours of fun for 20-somethings who want to get run over by cars trying to catch a Pikachu at the gym across the street. Pokemon Go, how long will this be a thing? And listeners like you. And by you, we mean the six people who have actually donated to this show. We're only talking $5 a month. Come on, people. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Cordell Nutbrock. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders has endorsed Hillary Clinton as the Democratic Party's nominee for president. Clinton secured enough delegates to clinch the Democratic nomination just over a month ago, but Sanders has stayed in the campaign, though he's kept a lower profile in recent weeks. Sanders was apparently swayed after Clinton adopted ideas from his college tuition plan, namely announcing a proposal to make public colleges and universities free for families with annual incomes up to $125,000. The two camps have been in ongoing discussions about the role Sanders will play going forward and about the party platform ahead of the Democratic National Convention later this month. I investigated what exactly turned the tide for Sanders to throw his support behind Clinton and how the two former rivals will now work together to try and defeat Donald Trump in November. Bernie Sanders has spent the last year energizing millions of young voters and building a fundraising juggernaut from small-dollar donations that amounted to more than $200 million raised. He will now try to mobilize his followers to back Hillary Clinton. It was tough, but we finally got Bernie and Hillary to join forces. Gary Donnell is a Sanders aide who helped broker the deal between the two candidates. We held our ground on a lot of stuff that Bernie really feels strongly about. It was important to us to ensure that the political revolution goes on. Donnell said that there was a laundry list of items Sanders wanted Clinton to agree to before he would endorse her. Let me see if I still have it here. Here it is. Bernie writes everything on the back of receipts. We got him an iPad, but he won't use it. Let's see. This is one of the speeches. Oh, yeah, this receipt is a list of ways to keep Vermont weird. Here, Oh, here we go. Here is the list for Hillary. The college tuition thing was huge. We also wanted her to promise to raise the minimum wage, expand Social Security, stand with Guam, uh, only eat fruit when it's in season, make sure there's another season of House of Cards, uh, put Harvey Milk on the $3 bill. Protect the Fraggles from the gorgs? I, I can't read anymore because there's Chinese food grease all over this thing. Bernie loves lo mein. It took the backs of several receipts for Sanders to complete his entire list, but Hillary Clinton didn't seem to have an issue with any of his demands. I could not be happier to be getting the endorsement of Bernie Sanders. It means so much to have him on our side as we try to build momentum towards November. <clears throat> Millionaires and billionaires, top 1%, they're the problem. At a campaign stop yesterday, Clinton was fully embracing her former rival's platform. 
Hopefully we can secure contributions from low-income and working people whose donations average $27 apiece. In an unprecedented way, we can show the world that we can run a strong national campaign without being dependent on the big money interest whose greed has done so much to damage our country. Keep Vermont weird. The Clinton message does seem to be shifting a bit. That's all because of Bernie. Well, do you think it'll help get his supporters to vote for her? We hope so. What can we expect at the convention? I don't want to give too much away, but Bernie will have some very special privileges. Can you say 20% off merchandise at the DNC gift shop and all-you-can-eat trail mix? Wow. Whether Sanders will be able to rally his people to Clinton's cause remains to be seen, but it's clear that she will be doing her best to embrace them. For COK News, I'm Gordon Nutbrock. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Summer is always a great time to catch up on your reading, and that's why we have Lynn Ruffle joining us today for another edition of Book Look. She's going to tell us all about the best new books to take with you on your summer vacation. Welcome back, Lynn. It's nice to be back, Connor. Okay, so Lynn, before we get into your summer book list, I understand you had a very exciting thing happen to you last week. <gasps> I did! Last week, we were fortunate to have acclaimed fantasy writer Paul H.H.H. Curtis come and talk at the library where I work. So, I'm sorry, but I don't know his work. I'm surprised you haven't heard of him. He's written the insanely popular Bosoms and Broadsword series. It's like Game of Thrones, but it's so much better because Curtis really plays up the sex and violence. He's currently working on the fifth volume of a planned 20-volume series. Wow. That's a lot of books. It is. I'm kind of worried that he won't finish them all because he's 68 and each book takes him 10 to 12 years to write. Yeah, at that rate, he'd have to live to be well over 180 to finish them all. It could happen. Okay, so did you get to talk to him? Yes, I did. He signed my copy of Dinner with Dragons. And then I told him about the first three books I've written for my Red Sunset Saga. What did he think? He seemed to like the premise, but said that I need to make them much, much sadder, and that I need to kill off more of the main characters. Also, he said that at around 350 pages each, my books are way too short. He said to try and get them up to 950 pages, or I won't be taken seriously by fantasy readers. Well, that's good advice. So what books are you recommending for this summer? Well, I've been on a bit of a fantasy kick lately. You don't say. My picks for the summer lean heavily on fantasy and sci-fi. The first book is This Savage Song. Kate is the daughter of the local mob boss in a city split in two by disaster. August is a monster, tormented by powers he doesn't understand and guilt for things he can't control. More than anything, he longs to be human. Together, Kate and August uncover a conspiracy that puts them both in mortal danger. I enjoyed this book, mostly because it was short. I'm still trying to get through the last Bosoms and Broadswords book, The Merkin of Mordrood. This savage song was a nice break from the dark epic fantasy world of Paul H.H.H. Curtis. Cool. What else do you have for us? My next pick is Robert Krause's new novel, The Big Sheep. The title mashes up Raymond Chandler's 1939 hard-boiled masterpiece, The Big Sleep, 
and Philip K. Dick's 1968 post-apocalyptic classic, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which was the basis for the film Blade Runner. It's a mystery that takes place in a near-future Los Angeles, following an economic collapse that's fractured the city. The book leans heavily on humor, which is why I didn't really enjoy it. It was too fun and funny. I like my dystopian future novels to be actually dystopian. There's nothing funny about huge genetically modified sheep used to grow organs. Fair enough. Finally, we have a book about the third son of a powerful dynasty who was thrust into the spotlight when his two older brothers are killed. He reluctantly takes his place on the throne, but once there, he is also tragically killed. It's a riveting and also sobering look at power and how family dynamics can influence it. That sounds like another gripping fantasy story. It's actually Larry Ty's new biography, Bobby Kennedy, The Making of a Liberal Icon. Oh, I see. From the way you described it, it really sounded like... Oh, I know. I actually like to pretend nonfiction books are fantasy books when I read them. It really makes them more exciting. For example, I pictured LBJ as a mighty ogre and Martin Luther King Jr. as a centaur. Well, I guess that's one way to enjoy historical biographies. It's the only way, Connor. Well, I think you've given our listeners some great book suggestions for the summer. Thanks for coming by, Lynn. You're welcome! That was Book Look with Lynn Ruffle. That's all for this edition of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit considerourknowledge.com. You can also follow us for breaking news on Twitter at ConsiderOurKnow and like us on Facebook. The podcast can be downloaded at iTunes and at Stitcher Radio at Stitcher.com. The COK team includes Emily Clausen, Natalie Thorpe, Marianne Wetzel, Jeremiah Knight, Hobart Willis, Spencer Cannon, and Libby Mitchell. Our intern is Ryan Shattuck. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. Donald said that there was a... uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) There was a chicken. (laughs) Bagok. Bagok.